Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. You might notice I sound a little extra raspy today. Uh, I recorded vocals this week, so um, that's what you get when you haven't raised your voice for 15 months. You get just a little bit extra crispy, so please deal with me during this intro. Um, You're going to hear part two of my conversation with Pat Flynn uh, of Have Heart and Fiddlehead. We basically round out our conversation about Have Heart and get into, you know, recording songs to Scream at the Sun, which they did with Kurt Ballou of Converge and uh, some of the international travels, things like that. But then we really get into Fiddlehead and the genesis of that band. And the two of us kind of bond over our experiences on writing about the loss of a parent and what that's like. But uh, yeah, there's just there's a lot of stuff to this episode. But before we get into it. I would like to give a shout out to our sponsor. Rootless Coffee Company is a small badge roaster out of Flint, Michigan, making high-end coffee with bags designed by some of the comic industry's rising stars, collaborating with artists, bands, brands, nonprofits, wrestlers, comedians, and more. Rootless is the punk rock gateway to craft coffee. Easy to understand, unlike me, and a delicious roast every time with lots of options. Listeners get 20% off their order using the code HARDTIMES at checkout when they visit rootlesscoffee.com. Any size, any grind, any time, break free from boring. All right. Uh, Also, if you subscribe to the Patreon, you will be able to hear the bonus episode, uh, not so much episode, but the bonus content with this Pat Flynn conversation where uh, listeners had submitted questions to Pat. And uh, if you subscribe, you can hear those answers. If this is something that excites you, uh, I often post about upcoming guests and, and subscribers can, uh, can post some questions and uh, you'll get to hear those answers. All right. I am not going to take up any more of your time. Here's the conclusion of my conversation with Pat Flynn. One of the things that I always you know, think about when I think about what you all did was the amount of adventurous international travel that have heart was able to do you know like playing the the, i remember when the footage of you guys playing in south africa came out it was like that's the coolest thing ever um i think that a lot of us looked at what you guys were able to accomplish as like well this band went these places why can't we you know kind of a thing yeah and and i think we continue to i think still to this day we sort of use that as like Cause there's still a handful of places. Like we've never, we've tried to go to, we actually, <laughs> we tried to get a show in South Africa, but it was at a time when, um, I guess this, you were, you're able to look at analytics of, uh, people that follow your band on Facebook from certain countries. So the promoter in uh, South Africa was like, 
yeah, I'd, I'd love to help you out. But as I can see, there are 16 people who are aware of this band <laughs> in South Africa. We're like, ah, shit. So it's like, well, I guess that makes sense. Um, uh, well, but you know what? That's an argument to me against big data because right, yeah, it, it it's not it's not going to read. You know, the kid who's spinning like and, and also 16 kids. To be perfectly honest, we had just 16 people at our shows in South Africa. And they were some of the best shows we ever played. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, some of so, the, some of the eh. most memorable shows in my life were to less than 10 people. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm wondering um, if, if that, cause you know, it, throughout our conversation, you know, you, you've made it pretty aware that as much as you appreciated touring, you know, you're, you're pretty fine not being on tour all the time now. Um, yeah. Do you do you is there elements of stuff like that though that you do miss like kind of the adventurous side? Uh, uh totally. I, like I remember, going places you've never been before. Like that's something that I you know sometimes wears on people and because it's like anxiety inducing or sometimes it's the thrill of it all. Yeah, I mean, I, I would totally love to do that. I, I've become, I've always loved history, um, but as you get older, you just learn more about the world and. You learn it like very intensively when you um, commit yourself to it in a, in a in an academic setting. So like, I mean, like to me, getting you know going going to uh, on tour is like really at th- at this point. It's like I have to go to this historical site. You know, I, I just have to check it out. And but I mean, that's not very adventurous, you know, because they're like they're known sites. But you know, like the prospect of like, I do miss. I mean, like, but truthfully, though, that is a great part about touring. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. much of your day is spent driving and then you get to the venue, you unload and blah, blah, blah. But like there are those couple hours in there that you could have for yourself to be like, I really want to go see this thing. And there's no other chance where I could really find the time to like be in, you know, Arkansas on like a, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, I, when we were in Arkansas, actually, I would just I would just like I, I went over to central high school where you know the famous little rock nine went to i remember just waking up early that morning by myself like running it like going to the school not by like knocking like can i just walk around this incredible historical site for in human history of uh, uh, about you know building a a harmonious multiracial society (laughs) like like i was just by myself i had to get up early yeah totally like you know tons of stuff like that when i remember when being in Japan, just getting up early to try and check certain things out. And yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely miss that for sure. Um, the, I, I do miss the, um, just going to like, like, like random towns in, in, in like, whether, even if it's in the, in the United States or in a different country, um, and just being like, what the fuck is the experience of this place? Like, who are the, who are these, like these just casual people just go into the convenience store. I know that sounds like super lame, but like, I don't know. There's something nice. (laughs) Like just seeing someone in a different across the world or in a different country, just having, you know, like the same kind of deadbeat experience that you, that you might be having in terms of like, like just getting a, getting a a Pepsi, wild cherry Pepsi zero. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, Oh yeah, we're we're all we're all kind of much still humans. We're all just uh, we're all just drinking uh, yeah. uh, sugar in some capacity. Yeah, yeah, but like you know, ultimately though, I don't know. It just runs. It, it gets older quicker. Um, 
and that's not to disparage like the times that I was doing it. It's yeah. just uh, there's so many, there's too many uh, pull factors at home for me now with with, of course. with my family. Of course, um, yeah. So I mean, we can move on to uh, to some fiddlehead stuff. I mean, obviously, congratulations on the new record coming out. How long? Oh, yeah, how, how long uh, had you? How long had that thing been done? Was that something that you guys had to sit on for a while, or had it, or was it kind of more fairly recent? It was done for a while, and and uh, even with the first when. The first record, Springtime, and Blind came out. That was done. That had been done for a year before it came out. Oh wow! And um, so it's kind of like a similar experience. And it's weird, passage of time, how things are released. Now that it's out, it actually like it feels like we just finished it. Like right. I, like, which to me is like, you know, music doesn't ever really feel done until it's until it's expressed, which I think is really nice. So like, yeah, it was done, but it, like it, it it just kind of sat in this weird. Um, like state of like frozenness for like time and so it, it like i'm not detached from it at all like it um because it's now being heard by people it feels like the way i felt when we first recorded them and i was super excited i almost kind of like enjoy the idea of like it being done and having a year of just me listening to it and then and then people finally hearing about it um it's fun like i had been thinking about this especially a lot during 2020 putting out a record during a pandemic it's where it's like um i almost feel like records have four different lives it's like the life of when it's being written the life of when it's being recorded the life of when it's released and then the life of when it's performed live because every one of those experiences is completely different every single time um, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see how the songs exist in different ways, you know, like there's songs that you might think, I don't know if this one's going to work or like, I don't know if I feel great about this one, but then maybe mm-hmm. you hear it recorded and you're like, Oh, it's actually better than I remember. Or like a song you feel really confident about, but then you play it live and you're like, wow, that does not work live, <laughs> you know? Oh my God. Yeah, that, that's a really great observation. I, I've thought about that too, but not as in such a succinct way that like you put it it's it's true like it's very like it we and dude, the fact that there's other people involved like it's a really complicated process it really is like it's because like like i remember like with 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 how far i remember we wrote that song arm of the mind mm-hmm. we wrote it and nobody in the room in the in the band was like in love with it I was, because I was like, oh, I know how this is going to connect live. Yeah. And I remember when we put the first LP out, we wouldn't play it. And I was so pissed. They were like, I don't want to play that song. And I was like, why not? It's 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 the third song on the record. It's people will it's know. It's side it. A. People have at least heard <laughs> side A. Yeah. And and, there, and there, it was the first tour on that record. And, and there was this like, like, they just wouldn't play it. And I, I was like, I was outraged on that tour. And I was like, we're fucking playing. It was at Gilman. It's the first time we ever played it. I was wow. Like, fucking playing this song or I'm leaving this tour now. And we played it and the crowd went fucking crazy. And everyone was like, I fucking love this song. <laughs> so like, uh, and, and I've always kind of questioned, is that, is that a test of the authenticity of whether or not you like a song? Like, do I truly like the song? Be, uh, like if, if I don't like it um, until other people like it. And I think that, I don't know the answer on that. I, 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 well, I, I, th- I think that a way to figure it out is, would you be playing that song 
if there were six people in the audience that didn't know who your band was? Would you still be like, yo, we got to play this song? You know what I'm saying? Like, that, yeah, that's y- that's kind of a good barometer for it, you know? Yeah. And so and that's been kind of my approach to writing music is that I don't I don't really ever want to write a song that I wouldn't want to play out live. Yeah. Like to me, I'm, I'm just sort of like, what's the fucking point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, I like that, you know, like, like, and I'm getting to this point in my life where I'm starting to be a little bit more interested in being okay with that. Now that like, um, you're putting out but, records with a band that can't necessarily tour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in not, playing out yeah. uh, but but you know, like it's just it maybe it's just to switch things up but like if it's like this i think the the world of like punk culture has kind of put me in this position of being like well, i don't want to write something that i'm not going to be able to express live and it doesn't necessarily we have to play it all the time but like i remember this is like a song on the new fiddlehead record that i remember we were i made i made some type of joke while i was recording the vocals, which I'm terrible at doing, like, just awful. I hate recording vocals. It's, like, the worst experience of my life. I love it, but I mostly hate it. Um, and is that what came after your voice cracked and, and changed or became different? Like, is that, did it start there and it's continued till now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Everything, everything before that was... Fine and like fun, and now it's, yeah. Easy, come in, kill it, see you later, I'm yeah. out. And now it's like actually it was, before we go for it in one sentence, give me um, what because it's funny when I was doing research on on all of this stuff all this time. I didn't know that you did a record with Kurt Ballou. I thought you did that record with like Jay Moss or something like that. I didn't know you did it with Kurt Ballou. I know Kurt. Yeah. He's a friend. He's mm-hmm. a gr- he can he can be cutting when he wants to be cutting. <laughs> you know, he's got a very sharp yeah. sense of humor. Yeah, uh, yeah. As someone who is struggling, you know, in the studio, uh, in is give me a quick sum up of what it was like doing uh, the songs to scream record with with Kurt. I mean, as you brought that up, I was my mind was going back to the recording of that record, yeah. and I was like, like getting like <laughs> images of like photographs of like soldiers in. <laughs> in trenches is are the images that come to mind yeah. of like there's this one famous image of a soldier in a in a world war in a first world war trench where like i can't believe it hasn't been used for like some generic hardcore record but like it, like they're completely in hell like that that's like the image that i have of i remember of doing those <laughs> it's just awful yeah. he he, he <laughs> That I won't give you words. I'll give you that image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But he actually he helped me out. Like he he just kind of observed. Um, like, is it is it like uh, the is it the is it the is it nervousness that comes with the finality of recording? Is like wanting to get it right? Is it nerves of 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 everyone kind of looking at you? Is it? or hearing yourself back and being like, that's not what I expected it to sound like. Cause all of these things kind of eat at you when you're having to do this stuff, especially when you yell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So on songs from the sun, you know, we went with Kurt because he had done the carry on record mm-hmm. and, but we also went with Kurt because we were evolving our sound. And I remember Converge played that I'd never met him, but we had linked up. Chris Ren had linked us up and I went to Kurt Converge had just played the Elks around Thanksgiving. And I remember I went up to Kurt, we were about like, we were 
few months away from recording with him. I never talked before. I was very nervous because he's like this like icon. And I went to him and I just said, hey, man, uh, I sing for the band Half Heart. I just want to let you know that um, we're not champion. We don't want to be champion. And we're trying to change. Like, we're, 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 we're evolving. And he was like, okay, man, whatever you want. <laughs> like, he was like super, like, matter of the fact. Yeah. And I was like, okay, bye. And, like, I, that's all I, all I had to say is, like, we're not just we're just we just want to we're trying to right. do things slightly different um i like had to like tell him that yeah so i said it because i walked into that recording studio just being kind of intimidated by him yeah but we got along very uh, uh got along together very quickly he he noted that I, I was the first person to ever explicitly connect the name of his studio to a, a soul side song um so i was like all right so he knows um he knows um he, i'm knowledge, hip. knowledgeable I'm hip. yeah <laughs> So, um, and we just kind of, uh, we, we hit it off. I was just talking to him, uh, recently. Um, <laughs> he's, and, he's, uh, yeah, he's a barrel of laughs, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, totally. The first tour we did with him, my first, my first interaction, cause he knows how to read people up and down and be like, I'm going to fuck with this person. My, yeah, fir- yeah, yeah, my yeah. first interaction with him was he was sitting on a, on a stair looking at his phone and I was like, hey, he's alone. I'm alone. I'll just go strike up a conversation. You know, again, I'm intimidated by him and I go up and I go. I go, hey, Kurt, what's going on? What you up to? And he just goes, he looks up and he goes, walking away from you, gets up and walks <laughs> away. <laughs> and then he came by me later and was just like, I'm just fucking with you. Because in that moment, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, yeah, he is a perfect example of his sense of humor. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he, he, he's great to work with. I encourage everyone to go with him. He knows how to work with human beings. Yeah. Uh, and, like, you know, he, I don't know if, I, I, I don't doubt his authenticity here, but he I remember him saying like one of his favorite hardcore bands was Judge, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Like at the time, you would never. So at that time, no yeah. one in Converge would like Judge. Like it was just this, you know, stupid uh, perception era. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he he observed, made the um, very astute observation to me that um, basically ninety five percent of every moment on songs to of the sun is consists of vocals. Uh, and I didn't even notice that, that I was singing that fucking much. Right. Uh, and I remember him making that point out and, you know, also I should said like the first song I did to record vocals, I blew my voice out like, boom, just like, what the fuck? Where yeah. the fuck did it go? And that was not a great way to kick things off. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I was like, and then it was just like four days straight of just like, ah, and on the last day, I remember I got there super early to do the last song on the record and it was like, like, it was like five hours for a song, trying to get it right, get the timing right. Um, and then I had to do all the backup vocals with everyone else. So it was like another five hours of backup vocals are all over that record and then I got in the van and got into a big fucking argument with my girlfriend, now wife. But yeah. <laughs> like, so it was just a day of screaming. Oh my like, God. Um, uh, and, and then I, I like, cause my voice was noted and I was also touring constantly. So there was my biologically, I was just like completely fucked up. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I'm on 10, the whole, that whole record. There's like very little re- like relief. And he observed, like, he's like, you know, you, you're doing a lot, just 
so you know. Uh, you might want to, you know, see the forest for the trees here, uh, and and you know, or at least see the like the data here. That's just like your yeah. your line is all over this. And if you notice, like the band I did after that was was Sweet Jesus. Yeah, and I'm like, I Sparse. definitely got that in check and I was like, I'm just gonna repeat a lot of lines. I like the power of repetition. Um that, so that I mean, was like I, I again very relatable. Like that's what like I with with our first couple of records, like I was like, man, I'm kind of like not like our songs are only like fucking ninety seconds, but I'm singing for eighty five seconds of those. I gotta chill out. Right. And I don't if we go to write a record and I'd be like, all right, I'm consciously thinking about letting the music actually exist on its own. And then I would still yeah. end up writing a lot. And I'm like, what am I doing? And then it would, took right. it, it took until pretty much the fourth record for me to be like, I'm, you guys do your thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very conscious of this. And, you know, it's still something I struggle yeah. with, though. I wonder what that is. Do you, do you play an instrument? I play guitar, but, like, not, you know, in a band or anything like that. Right. So, like, I'm, I'm the same way. And, and, and the reason for that is that technically the first band I was in was this band called Bino, like the, the fart drug. Sure. We never recorded anything. It was Shucks. like bad, bad <laughs> pop punk thing. But I left. We were The first practice was in my, my parents' basement uh, in the last one but after that. Uh, but uh, I went up to the room. Like to, I went up to the bathroom, and I came back, and they had already decided – who would do what in the band? And they were like, oh, you're going to sing. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, fine. And so then the next band I did, which was like another like failed attempt at something, like, oh, well, you sang the last one, so you have experience. Uh, so you'll be the singer. And then by the third one, it came around to the action taken. And it was like, well, you know, I've been the singer. So like I missed the boat to learn how to like really suck at an instrument with yeah. other people who suck. So, you know, like... I just don't, I don't have this uh, musicianship uh, or instrumentship, as I call it. Uh, and what that's kind of created in me is, at first, very much so an insecurity. But now I've kind of recognized and that it's, there's actually a, a rather awesome benefit. Because I'm involved in, in 110% of, of, of the songwriting experience. And... Like, cause I, 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 like, I'm the one who has to fucking sing on this and have yeah. to like connect with the crowd. So like, I, my, what I say, sorry, folks in the room, it, it matters. It has to, it has to work with me too. And so expect me to move some things around, but I like to get ahead of the curve and be in the songwriting process being like, here's what I'm thinking. I have this rough idea and it, what I'll say won't make sense. Like code wise, you know, instrument, chord, do this. I'll just be like making noises, but that's actually... I think there's a lot of good learning theory that supports this, like this approach because like, I don't know limits. And so like I'm pushing people not not that I'm this like miraculous coach, but like I'll come with an idea that might not make sense to someone who knows certain limits with, with songwriting because they, they know certain chords. And I'll say like, instead of doing that three times because code would dictate you do that, do it twice because my ears dictate that it sounds good and I want you to do that because I think it's going to be working in the vocal experience. And I do think that songs that in which the lyricist is, is in there, they, 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 they come out a little bit better, but in my experience, I, I, it just, I think it for a long time, it's created this like, you know, you're a very thoughtful lyricist. And I, I, like, I felt like I can't, because I don't, I'm not contributing 
quote unquote contributing to the music. I'm not playing anything on the recording. I really got to show up with the lyrics. Yeah. Um, and so that's really kind of pushed me over the years to kind of like really like not just kind of slog it in. There's a privilege that comes with having the experience of, of knowing what it feels like to have kids sing along to your music. You know what I'm saying? Cause like it, oh, it, yeah. it builds, it builds this idea of like, you know what kind of parts work. So when mm-hmm. your band is starting to write a song, you start to hear those parts happen and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Cause I, I'm like you, like I'm, when Touche writes, it's like, it's the five of us in a room. No one ever mm-hmm. write, you know, someone might write something at home, but then brings it and then it gets completely discombobulated and, you know, reworked and whatever. Yeah. But like, but, um, you know, the guys in my band are so kind in the sense of where they're like, this is okay. Now we've got this you know, palette, you figure out what you need and we'll move it around based on what you need kind of a thing. That, that's, I, I think, I think it's a good recipe. It's not the only recipe for success, but it is a good recipe for success to be in a room where people are, you know, and I also know when to just shut the hell up and be like, I don't know. How to I don't know. What, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys figured this part out. Yeah. When I do, I zone uh, out sometimes where they're like, you know, just kind of riffing on stuff. I'm like, okay, right. Right. And, and like, so like, I hope my perception is that they don't think that it's like this, like, you know, dismissive thing. Like, no. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, or also it's like, you know, that I'm some gatekeeper who's like sucks, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, <laughs> no. And like, and I'll speak at the end of the experience. Like, you know, we'll check in and, and like, you know, we'll, we'll check in with everybody. It's, it's been great with, with Diddlehead over the years. Writing is pretty, pretty magical uh, in, in that, that collection of people. But like, uh, you know, like coming back to this, like songs have different lives thing. One, there's one song on the new record. Um, I made so I, while recording it, I made some 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 joke, uh, probably to like ease my my uh, stress in, in the moment of it all. But uh, we were doing a uh, lover man uh, on the record. And apparently, people seem to be really liking. Uh, and I'm like, cool. Yeah. But and I remember. Want, there was like some idea I wanted to repeat, kind of like like at the end. We ended up not doing it, but I wanted Lover Man to repeat so as to like kind of reinforce to the reader that there's like a little lyrical play going on where it's not just like the title of the song, but it's like Love Her, comma Man, because it's yeah. actually a con- that that song is actually a conversation, like a, a, an imagined conversation with my father telling me to like, you know, just like, like really appreciate this, this human being in my life. Um, and I wanted to like, in my own weird mind, I was like, if I repeat it, um, it, that's, that's going to come through to the listener, but also I made some joke like, and the kids are going to go fucking nuts during this part. And, (laughs) and, uh, Al, I remember Al Henry being like, I don't think kids are going to be going off for this one night. And like, <laughs> it's kind of, it, it, I don't know if you noticed, but it's kind of a love song. <laughs> like, uh, that's my impression of his of, accent. Uh, yeah, um, sure. <laughs> but, um, but, and it's, it, it's funny now because like, I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, like I imagine we'll play this song, but the extent to which we play it might be predicated upon the crowd interaction but at the same time, so like with, with Fiddlehead at this point, this is kind of a, a first ever experience, but like I'm, I'm kind of now kind of getting used to playing songs that like I'm going in like, like truly not wanting people to interact. <laughs> like, oh, interesting. Uh, 
like, you know, like I, I really just want like the stillness of the room, not to have an eyes on me type of thing, but like, you know, I really like, it's not like I don't go to live music shows or anything like that, but like, I, I'm not a regular attendee. I remember going to see, um, uh, some indie band it was like my first like indie show that I ever like really went to um it was like an early 2000s it was uh Azure Ray oh great or, band. yeah yeah it, no no it was uh Maria Taylor it was the Maria Taylor's act from Azure Ray and and I remember thinking I don't think I needed to see this live <laughs> I remember thinking like I love this it's beautiful but like I kind of want to just listen to it and then, and so, like, from that point on, I just kind of, like, was, like, I was not going to go, like, indie shows. It's, just, like, people are drunk and chatting the whole time. It's kind of disruptive. But then I, 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 I saw, um, I saw Nick Cave, who I've, who I've, who I've, over only in the last, like, five or six years, I've really kind of entertained and really kind of, like, dove into. And I've always respected, like, you know, Toast and has always been, like, a, um, deep lover of, of of Nick Cave and I was like what, what's going on with this Nick Cave yeah, yeah, yeah. I finally discovered why people are so obsessed with him and I never thought I could like enjoy something in like a in, in like an arena but I remember walking in we drove to New York to see him and I remember walking to this like giant fucking like basketball arena and the the guy made the whole room like completely still and it wasn't based on moshing and it was like, but it it had this kind of like, um, not performance, but like presentation that I really appreciated. And I remember watching the show being like, okay, like I don't want to like recreate a fucking Nick Cave show. That would be so obvious and stupid, but like there's something powerful about, um, kind of, capturing someone in, 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 like viscerally in the moment, uh, that is not so like predicated upon like, a like a giant sing along and stage dive moment. And it's, it, it seems like pretty challenging yeah. to pull off. And, and I, and the reason why I was so attracted to it was because like, I really don't think that that was coming from an insincere presentation of, of, of the, um, of the performer in that moment. I don't think Nick Cave was really like, uh, putting on a show. I mean, he right. was like, he was like really presenting some pretty intense, uh, in, in, an intense expression of, of, of thoughts and feelings. And, and so now like, you know, there's, there's, there's a song on the new record, the Fiddlehead record called like joy boy mm-hmm. that, um, it's like towards the end. Yeah. It, it's like, probably like the most like emotionally rich song I've ever written in my entire life. And, you know, I I, like, obviously that's not a song people are going to be like head walking to. Um, and you know, but I like, you know, I definitely want to play that like every single time that we play live because I just, you know, I want to be able to express it in in a manner that is, uh, it's just authentically out of, out of me. I don't really know how to, how to how to deal with that? All I know is that I just want to. I, I would like to sing that song. Well, what you um, have in, on your side is that new records take a little minute for people to all of a sudden want to kill each other too. So, yeah. <laughs> so that so you that's just, true. You have the you have the first record. You have the first record where everyone can can hurt. Yeah, you, know, you, yeah. you can you know the new one's still pretty new. Um, 
how was recording vocals for Fiddlehead? Because I mean, I, you know, you sing out. You're this is your first band where you're like singing, 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 mm-hmm. right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Like, did yeah, it take yeah. you kind of a minute to to warm up to that, or was that always something you knew you can do from like your pop punk kid days? <laughs> uh, it was like like extremely weird that I ended up doing that because I I just in my life there was actually. Um, Coming back to Kurt Ballou, there's a, a part on uh, on the song uh, "Paved Paradise," mm-hmm. and I was gonna do some like kind of singy thing, and Kurt just go, "What are you doing?" <laughs> 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 he goes, "What are you doing? No, this isn't. This is not gonna. And this what, is not flying." And that's and that's exact. <laughs> that's the kind of Kurt story I was looking for. Like just to just to just completely pull you down, and probably that stuck with you, probably going forward, right? It, it totally did. Yeah. But like, like, and I I cannot thank him enough for that. <laughs> and I and I, I genuinely hope that that level of honesty does not get lost in the in the current political moment that we're at. I like I, I believe in decency and I'm so glad that like we're reevaluating our language and and not like simply because like it, it's it's like, you know, um it's just kinder or more polite, but because it, it has the ability to like make people feel more welcome when we reconsider the language that we use when we communicate with each other. At the same time you know, in the con- like that can be easily perceived as like let's just be nice to people, mm-hmm. and like I-, I don't believe in being nice to people. Like, uh, like just for the I, I believe in being good to people, mm-hmm. and part of being good to people is some some tough fucking love. Like, if I were to tell my students, like, hey, th- this was pretty good when it was absolute dog shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm I'm doing them a disservice. I'm saying like I'm giving you the green light on something that sucks, yeah. and so like. Obviously, I can find a middle ground between pretty good and this is dog shit. But right. like, you know, like, and, you know, it can be constructive and we can work on this. But like, there's something to be said about being direct and, and calling it like it is. And I really do think that it had Kurt, like, like it was really valuable for Kurt to just say, like, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. Yeah. You're trying something that you're not thinking through. Right. And... And I'm so glad he did because it wouldn't have worked. And I probably would have been more embarrassed and, and, and upset with myself if I had gone through with it because I didn't think it through. So I, really from that moment on, it, like this isn't for the sake of the interview, but like when I went to go, I was like Kurt's head, Kurt's question, what are you doing? Yeah. Like was in my head uh, when I first started Fiddlehead when, you know, we started the band and we actually did our first recording. We were, again, we went to my friend Trevor who I felt really comfortable with. Is that who did the uh, seven inch? That first seven inch? Yeah, he did the first seven inch. Cool. He's, you know, he just, he's done everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I felt, you know, he's one of my, my, my closest and best friends. So like I, I had to be with someone I was really comfortable with because, you know, he could, and he was super supportive of me too, but I had spent like four or five years thinking about it and, you know, I just kind of scaffold and, and by no means, it, it was added tough because, you know, Alex Henry, you know, is he's, he's in basement with Andrew Fisher. Andrew Fisher has like this angelic voice. It's just like this unbelievable execution that I just, like, I can't 
I can't do that. It's not me. It's not authentically myself. And like, you know, and, and that was in my head too. Cause I was like, well, this is the other basement band. This is not my wheelhouse. This, this world of run for cover is going to cast me out. Like the, like the loser tryhard that I, like, you know, it was like the things, total, you, can, the like, things you convince yourself of. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I don't, I shouldn't be doing it. But like the, the spirit of that band you know, it, it helped that no one gave a shit about that band when we first started out and there was no, you know, and like, you know, our close friends in Boston were the, just coming to our shows like, hey, cool. We like this. Like, uh, and so. Well, I mean, it had a it had a very smart start. I mean, to put like like we all know locking out records is sort of like it's a stamp of approval that something is cool, you know, like. Yeah. That, yeah. So, so having it come out on locking out. And then, you know, four years later, you put out a full length. It's like there it didn't feel like even if if I feel like there was no expectation. It was just kind of like a oh, shit, there's still a band. That's cool because they just, you know, it's been four years. Here's a full length. And yeah, look at that. It's awesome. Yeah, we, 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 were, we were pretty surprised. too. And I, what what I just think has always helped with this band, even now. Yeah, um, we just are not dependent on this band in any way, shape or form. It's like like we no one's financially dependent upon it no one's emotionally dependent upon it it's like it's very much so like an attempt at least and i can't speak entirely for for al but like you know he and i and and sean costa as well we're we're both in bands that we were like it was like our lives at one point like just like took over like everything and um as much as that's a positive experience a lot of kind of like you know like unfavorable like elements to being so dependent upon something as complicated and difficult as like a musical collaborative thing that it becomes like a business and a source of livelihood. So, you know, our approach has been like, not only do we not care if people end up liking this, uh, like, you know, like, you know, we can't play out. Like we just, all we really care about is if, if, if we happen to like it. And so that's been super liberating. Uh, and it was even more so like when just for recording vocals, because I was like, I, I don't give a shit if people don't like this. I'm not going to I don't want to play out and tour on this. I'm not dependent. My life's not like economically destroyed if, if this doesn't go well. So I end up, uh, you know, it's just it's just easier to do um, this last record, though, you know, is a little bit different. Now we're we're very much so back on the fuck the world vibe uh, i i guess we, we actually wrote a third lp in the in, in the pandemic oh my god um because you just have the time and yeah. like i live i bought a house that has like this giant barn in it and we just wrote a third lp it came it came together and we're gonna write some more stuff but like it was very much so this like these things are just coming because we just truly don't care but with this last record it was it wasn't necessarily written for the audience but it was written in mind of the fact that like we came across like a really cool unexpected connection with the public that we really appreciate totally didn't expect uh and we played the show at the program and we were like whoa what what the fuck like these kids were like this feels like an intense hardcore show everything up to that point was like it was a pretty cool like stillness of the room type of experience that show kind of just like changed like the acceptance in the sky of like what you can and cannot do at a at a fiddlehead show, and the shows from that you know they continued to be like pretty wild and we were really appreciative of it. And so, you know, there are definitely parts on this where I was like, I want to linger on this because of 
the potential moment that it can create live. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, but now we're, we're pivoting back to this, like, ah, let's just right do, do whatever we like. As long as, as long as Pat's sister approves, uh, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> uh, I feel like listeners of this would probably, you know, be curious if, if we spoke on the subject at all, you know, obviously you've, you've now written, material about grief i've written material about grief and i i guess my question for you as someone that's you know we've both been through this um is did you find have you found writing lyrics about a parent that has passed or just you know something as heavy as as a loss like that easier or harder than things you've written about in the past like i know it's a broad question but like Mm -hmm. did you find do you find the process um to come quicker or is it more difficult to dive into? You know, I, I think it, it was easier it, 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 uh, because it was so earnest. I was just like, like, it, uh, like I knew what I wanted to write. I knew I wanted to write a song about my dad's office and, and his clothes and his, and his closet. Like, I was like, obviously I'm going to write about that because I can't fucking stop thinking about it. Like, you know, like, like to that, like, you know, that part was just really, truly easy. And like, you know, it wasn't like I just was like, <laughs> you know, like, ah, oh, okay, now we write it, go. But like, it was mm-hmm. like, I was just talking about my wife the other day. She, I, I, I remember the day I dropped her and her sister off in Boston and went back to the house. And I just walked around Melrose, where we were living at the time, for three hours. I went to the Friendly's ice cream restaurant, sat by myself got a milkshake, walked the five miles back, uh, and was just like working out the lyrics at the time. Uh, and then it was done. Like, like, and you know, and usually it's like, you know, it was like months of thinking, but it really like for that first record, especially it was like, okay, like, boom, I, I found it easy because it was so at so at the forefront of my mind and I just like you know like I remember when my dad died I instantly I didn't know anyone who who whose parent had died like I like I knew that um Bob Wilson's dad had recently died and I immediately went to him like and and Bob and I aren't like super close or anything like that but I just I was like I uh, I don't know I don't have no one to fucking talk to about this I I don't know no one in my age bracket is in this, you know, weird situation. And my brother was in prison. And it was just like this, like crazy, crazy fucked up time in my life. And, um, you know, like he put, and, and as much, and I remember uh champ from foundation, his, his father passed a couple of years later. And I remember we were chatting and, you know, it, it, it was so valuable to, to, you know, talk to someone, but there was this kind of alienating, like, like, like limit being like, we're still alone in this, like in this little journey of like loss. Like you're, you know, it helps, but it doesn't fix anything in any way, shape, or form. As it, and nothing really can. So I think that that's where uh, you know songwriting came out for me because, like, I've kind of, uh, in my own mind, I've I've kind of, uh, you know, thoroughly like focused on something that's bothered me. But I've also like, in some sense, like like frozen my attempt. I've like almost like frozen my therapy session 
about this issue uh, in, in time for as long as I live. And, uh, like, there, there's something liberating in, in, like, a very positive, uh, successful therapy session that, like, you know, like, you, you, you kind of discover, this, like, a, a new way forward. You know, like, just in listening to your own logic, you've kind of walked some pathway or seen a new pathway that you didn't know that was there in your mind. And, you know, the songs kind of, for me, the ones I've written about my father and my mother and you, just, you, you name it, like, they're kind of like these kind of immortal, like, permanent, like, like reminders of, like, pathways I've, I've like, forged or, or noticed in my mind. I don't know if any of that makes sense, but, like... It does. No, um, it does. And that's kind of, like, drawn me to writing... To, 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 to writing about it. Uh, and, and, and one thing I just sort of liked about, for the most part, like, you know, as much as there's criticism, like when Half Art, when I was writing about, you know, some fairly personal stuff in Half Art, it's a lot of like bridge nine board criticisms and like kind of bigoted things that were hurled towards me that I didn't appreciate. But like, there's still who like, talk, who, who are you talking to? I, you think I can't relate <laughs> to that? <laughs> come on. Yeah. Come on. Do you, do you remember when, do you remember when girlfriend hardcore was in, was a slur towards it? I mean, I mean, it was the terrible time with, yeah, with yeah. all of that very macho. Yeah. Any, anyone who was, who was showing their emotions is, was made fun of. It's a, yeah. it was a really terrible terrible time but go I, ahead I, I like I just I've always wanted to say you you guys playing this is hardcore I think it was like 2010 I think so yeah that was like like that was like to me what that was it was it was Bob Dylan at Newport Festival playing electric <laughs> that, like <laughs> like uh, and, and I, like but yeah it was really I, I I try to look at this stuff as like you know, from a historical lens, and yeah. you know, I, I a lot of it, a lot of the credit you know goes to like festivals for you know being like boom like let's let, let's 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 kind of let us know like yeah, what do we think of this culture, but like it's also on like like you gotta you gotta step up to the plate like and that's not in the considering the context. I remember that period. I broke up my band because I was like well, we can't evolve in the way that we want to. Uh, it wasn't the only reason, but, like, I was like, if we continue to evolve we want to, like, it's just, it's just people aren't going to accept us. Like, it's just not going to be the case. Mm-hmm. And so, with like, through Touche and Title Fight, like, like it just demolished those those walls and, like, uh, and, and, and really kind of made it so, like, a band like Fiddlehead can... I don't have to, like, second guess, not that it really fucking matters, but I don't have to be worried that, like, I'm not... At this point, at my mid thirties, I'd really give a shit. But like, you know, I'm, I'm more so about like the sixteen year old kid who's like going through some fucked up shit and wants yeah, to. Well, well, what's also funny though is is so many older people, like a lot of the older generation, that would have never fucked with Touche once our Stage Four record came out, mm-hmm. and I'm singing about the loss of a parent. All of a sudden, the older generation <laughs> came around and was like. Yo, I related to that. And I remember even talking to Pat Kimlin because I played him. I played him the record way before it had come out. And Pat was like, yo, I don't. He's like, you're about to alienate your whole audience. Like young kids have probably not gone through this yet. He was like, this is, you know, he, he said it a little nicer than that. But I was like, I, I was like, wow, he's probably right. This is like a pretty, you know, specific thing to have gone through. And a lot of young people haven't lost their parents, but it was interesting to see how many older people came around and was like, yo, that record, he's like, I never liked your band before, but like, yo, this new records, 
hit me. You know, it's like, that's interesting. Yeah. It's a pretty powerhouse record. I, 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 I commend you on that. Uh, oh, and, well, I, and, I appreciate it. I was, well, what I wanted to bring up though, with when it came with writing is like, I wonder if you went through this where I knew that this is that like, I always just write about whatever I'm going through at that time. So mm-hmm. I lost my mom. And I was like, well, we have to write a new record. What the fuck else am I going to sing about? Like, this whole record is going to end up being about this. So, but I remember uh, we were starting to write the music. And I and I told the guys, I was like, I have to have at least five or six songs done musically before I start writing lyrics. Because there's so many different things that I could touch on that I want to touch on. But, like, the feeling and the moods of these songs, like, have to be... Like, I have to know what they feel like before I decide what subject to go on. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like because there's obviously there's the writing about the shock of when it happened, the writing about having to clear out the house, writing, you know, a song writing about the time when, you know, uh, or just this observation about how she would be spilling water on. You know, it's like all these little things where it's like Mm -hmm. or like the time we spent in New York right before she passed, like all this different sort of stuff. And it's like there's so many. And when even asked, you know, when I, we were writing this follow-up record, you know, people are like, are you going to still write about that? Or you know, can you write more? It's like, I could write six more records. I'm sure you could write 12 more records about the loss of your father. But it's mm-hmm. like, you get to kind of a point where you're like, I don't know if I need, if I should keep doing this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, I, and, and kind of reading through the lyrics on your new record, like it, it's, there's still elements of that, but similar to even, and this is just an observation. You can correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but like, it almost kind of feels like you went, you and I went down a similar path where on both of our newest records, it almost, it's also kind of a love letter to the loves in our life as mm-hmm. like sort of like an appreciation and a thank you kind of a thing. Is that, is that fair to say? Oh yeah. W- w- without a doubt. Totally. And I, I, I you explained that on, on Axe to Grind a little bit and I remember like diving into the record and thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, oh, and, but, thank you. But, but also like, the opening song of the new Fiddlehead record was kind of like, I remember you were talking about it and I was like, Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy gets this, this kind of weird, it's, you know, you're a public figure, you know, you're writing about your life by like to the public, you're writing about the personal elements of your life to the public. That's a weird, it's a weird weird thing. thing. Yeah. Um, and it's in like, in the form of music, it's not like a blog post, uh, you know, and it's, and so it, and it, it's in the form of entertainment. It's really bizarre. Uh, it's, it's, you know, and it's, you know, fairly, it's a tradition of human species, I, I guess. But, like, um, it's just, it's just, like, such a obvious setup for, like, potential alienation mm-hmm. and, and, and contorted, like, obligations that just, like, really being like, what am I doing this for? Like, Am I, I don't ever for a single second want to feel like I'm writing about grief because the grief of the loss of, of, of like the nearest and dearest people in my life because someone I don't know would like me to or expect me to. That seems like the worst. <laughs> like, I just would never want to do that. It's funny that when reading stuff up for this interview, I, I came across a Krang article that you had done. Mm-hmm. And because I'm sensitive to the subject material, the title of the article aggravated me because it said it was like, read this fiddle, like read this interview with 
with Pat Flynn and then go hug your dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I get why Kerrang would do that. Sure. It's like, you, whatever. But like for someone who's suffered this as like, it's not a it's not a nice thing to say because it's like, guess what? He doesn't have his dad to go hug. <laughs> so that's fucked up. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I people don't know how to handle really talking about the subject, which is, yeah. which is something that is, is also a big conversation. I think that is one of the things that has been starting to have happened more. Um, I think within our world because of these records that have now been coming out dealing with the subject matter, you know, yeah. you know, like your, your record about your mom and the evolution of like, like the, the kind of changing moment we're in, which I, I think on the whole is, is going in a positive direction, but it's like starting to, like, because social media has made um, the individual's experience that much more uh, available to us. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it, but it's only made available with some, some courage to present that. And the thing that kind of like, I, I, I'm, you know, like I hate, this is something I've kind of come to a conclusion on is that like, it's it's like this weird impulse that I think is born out of like a pretty conservative old era, like era of yesteryear in American culture of like, you know, like don't grieve publicly. Don't like, you know, like let's keep the emotions in check. Let's like, let's, res- it's like this kind of like leave it to beaver fifties, mm-hmm. you know, bullshit. And in hardcore to me has always been in punk has been this kind of like, you know, complete breakdown of that. Which is why I always like resented, you know, like the Thrasher magazine against the Embrace record of calling it like a, like emo core. And I loved Ian's response to that being like, "What? As if hardcore wasn't emotional enough? Like, what are you talking about?" Like, um, but I, I've always, I always hated that because it like it was such a, an attempt to like bring us back to this like, hey, let's keep the fucking emotions in check here, all right? Right. Um, like. And, and, and all, but also why like I, I appreciate it. like I remember at Bane shows I remember Aaron commenting on just like the like the profound uh, meaningful value of like the like the emotional experience of crying and it, and it like it was genuine it was authentic and it, but it wasn't like you know at the same time it, like in the air is this like you know like because I remember one of the bigger criticisms of like of like the emo scene was like people kids go there to cry and. And like there was this kind of like co- like collective psychosis of like we're wrapped up we're literally wrapped up in a in a collective psychosis like you know or at least that's what it seems and then there's like everyone in the room's crying and I remember there were, there were a few shows where I remember being like this is fucking nuts like people are people either people everyone here is really hurting or there's some like you know kind of weird forces of social psychology ha- at play mm-hmm. and and for years i've and like it's kind of created this like when you see someone online kind of like openly grieving i hate the fact that like for years i had this impulse to be like and i never acted on it but it's just being like all right you know like what it like what's the like like is this real is this authentic like is this stupid residual like element like like influence of like old old style American culture on me. And I've kind of come to this place, you know, you know, just sort of like observing people who, who grieve publicly in a very like, like on, like, like it just, I've kind of come to the place of being like, I really just don't think that there is an actual 
answer to this question of like, is this real? And therefore, if there can be no answer, there shouldn't even be a fucking question. What's happening here is someone's, someone's grieving. I hope that they're well. And I, and, and I, and, and, and that's kind of, that's kind of it. And when I, when I started to kind of really like effectively just kind of be like, you know, like, I'm not just going to question the authenticity of someone's emotional like expression here. I'm just, just going to observe it. It's a human being. And I'm I, like, that, that's it. And I'm, I'm seeing it. I started to notice in myself a more natural move towards expressing my inner emotions. And, 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 and what that translates to is like, I'm less angry with the people I love. I'm a little bit more like, like easier to, to be around. I'm a fairly like depressive person who like, you know, is easily can get grumpy easily. And, and I, I've, I've noticed those things to kind of maybe just with age, but like in, in now in an era that I think is, has continued for like beyond just it being like a moment by way of social media, like, you know, like a couple, two people were in mind on when writing the lyrics to this record who had right, really like right as we started writing this record, they both, they lost, one person lost their mother, the other person lost their brother. And, you know, by this point, I'd already kind of gotten to this habit of just like having no, like disregarding any judgment of someone's public expression of grief. And at this point, it like, you know, it was just observation. And uh, it really helped me kind of figure out the weird fucked up feelings in my head about having a son and like, like going into like a, like a catatonic state when I was holding him for like in the first few months, knowing that like, you know, my fucking father's not going to be around or like, and, and being able to resist the temptation to like kind of get angry very stupidly in juvenile, in, in like a juvenile fashion when like, you know, like, like my, my, my wife's father would come around or like, you know, I, uh, at this point, like everyone in my family has, has like, is for the most part, seemingly on the Flynn side has, has passed away. And so there's just like, there's less of the Flynn's coming around. And on my wife's side, there's like so, she's like this giant family. And it was very easy in the first few months to just get like stupidly grumpy and pissy about it. But I noticed that it was just easier because I remember right after my dad died, I was just pissed off at everybody. If someone was like complaining about something, I'd be like, cool, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you. You know, it's just like this, like stupid, terrible grief stricken, like, you know, period of anger. But like, I don't know, like, I, I think that I compare it to like the moments, the short moments after my father passed the years to like, you know, the birth of my child, which was like, it sounds crazy, but like birth, and like, you know, new, like new life and death have this very similar, I, I'm, I'm also saying this on like the eve of like my second child being born, my, my right. last two, two days, like in just a moment, but like, <laughs> just it, a moment. <laughs> I'm like checking my phone periodically for the, Hey, I'm in labor. Um, but it really does have this very similar experience to, to, to death in terms of like, trouble like just like the the, the mystery of life <laughs> did you uh did you ever like that band far oh yeah oh yeah 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 because they have that song they have a song called nestle that i know jonah had written about because right after his father passed he had mm-hmm. his first kid 
And there's mm-hmm. a line where he says, when I started this, I was thinking of my father, now a Holy Ghost, now see one become the other. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. that's always like stood out very, very, in, you know, prominently when thinking about that. And and though I don't have children, like I, I've heard people go through this similar thing. And I was thinking about that when I was going to be talking to you, because, yeah, it's like I know you lost your father in what, 2010. Yeah, yeah, Two, yeah. 2010. And when did you have mm-hmm. your first kid? Uh, uh, in 2019. So 19. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah. But I, I mean, yeah, it's like you can't help but go through those, go through thinking about that stuff. You know, it's like because oh. it's like because like now because you probably also have had the thought of like, well, now I'm a father, and what you know, this kid's gonna have to go through that. Totally. You know? and, and, and you know, people. I mean, it's real deal. Like people go into depressions after they have children. Yeah. Uh, and like, and, and sometimes like they're, they're deep ones. And I, I've had to, you know, like, just like discovering that, just like reading up on like parenting and like, you know, and it's, it's, it's a little bit more difficult, you know, like, you know, like for, for some more than others. But like, I can, I remember very easily, I remember understanding how, how easily one could slide into a pretty, fucked up depression after giving birth um similar to how easily you can slide into a deep depression after someone dies and um Mm -hmm. but like i i definitely kind of circling back to what i was saying before is that like like i'm I'm really grateful for the moment that we're in which which to me is where a lot of people are like very okay with with grieving publicly and and i think like i think it took some steamrollers like 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 yourself to just have that open display all the while knowing and this is the thing about you know grieving publicly that that sucks is that some people are going to judge the authenticity of your grief and and that's fucked up the idea of if i ever caught anybody like <laughs> questioning the odd, like me, like exploiting the grief. I'd show them just how quickly I don't give a shit about nonviolence. Uh, I say that, you know, like in, in, in an emotive state, I'm right. a believer in the philosophy of nonviolence, but I would have, be very hard not to knock yeah. your teeth out. Like I would just be so like enraged because it's just such a, the point I'm trying to say is that like, you take a giant gamble and it's not just like, will people like this? It's like, no, will they, will they actually accuse you of, of being disingenuine about the most deeply upsetting thing in, in, in one's life? And mm-hmm. that to me takes, like you're putting yourself on the line. You know, do, you know, we don't deserve like a Nobel Peace Prize or anything like that. But like, you know, for the people who have had the, 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 the courage and the bravery to, you know, say like, you know what, I'm going to, because I remember right after my, my dad died, I... I made a Facebook post and I just remember feeling very weird about it because social media was a brand, was a brand new fucking thing. Yeah. And I remember being like, what the fuck am I doing right now? Like, like how did people do this before? Like, I don't think that they, you know, like, you know, some, you know, some cultures grieve very publicly and eternally and like, but like I just it was it was in this new technological context, and I remember just sort of being like, I 
I can hear some people being like, well, Pat is really trying to make a show out of this. And, and like, I remember like, oh, fuck. And I remember just really kind of closing it in after that and just being like, I'm, I'm going to hold this one close to the chest. And so when, you know, you know, I, I looked for people who were looking to take that risk, but at the same time dealing with like this stupid cultural, like, you know, like apprehension towards, you know, grieving publicly. And so I, I'm really grateful for people who have steamrolled through that. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll leave the, the two people who have been on my, they know who they are, but they've been on my mind. They were on my mind pretty, um, frequently in writing the lyrics, uh, on this last record and just kind of, um, cause I was a little worried about writing more. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like the first record, I'm very much so trying to write through my mother's perspective and a way to kind of connect my, with, with my mother and her experience. And at the end, and it was, it was cathartic for me too, but like, I also wanted to like write from my own perspective. Of course. And, but then I remember the task at hand was like, is people going to think I'm like kind of capitalizing on this, like this grief thing. So that's why then like the first track, I, I try to as explicitly as humanly possible, just be like, yo, I'm going to write about this, this grief in my life for fucking ever, because it's never going away. Mm-hmm. And actually the part of my healing has been, you know, it's been accepting that. And, and it's prepared me for, you know, impending losses in my life for potential losses and tragedies in my life. And, you know, just, and I don't think anyone, you know, I, you know, you can hear the insecurities in, in, in my, in my talking here, but like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I can't see anyone thinking that I'm going to like be capitalizing on this, but no, you know, but it was no. for me, it was more so for me to just be like, yo, like this ain't going away. And, and yeah. for the people, and for the people who, in, who are, you know, feeling like shit right now, if you're still feeling like shit in 10 years, well, welcome to the club. I'm here. <laughs> we can chat about it. That's, that's, I mean, that's been the, the biggest theme of, of just the, the majority of conversations that I've had with people and probably the thing that I've echoed on stage as much as I, as much as anything else where, you know, I'll remind the audience be like every, you know, not night after, certainly not night after night. Like, I, you know, it, it, very, very rarely do I actually like go into what I'm singing about on stage or whatever, you know, I'm never like this song's about blah, blah, but like, you know, I'll, I'll remind the audience now and again, when it, when this moment hits me to be like, don't ever let anyone try to convince you that time heals. Cause time, time can, time can help with like maybe it not being at the forefront of your brain every day. But, like, it's not going away, and, like, it's okay to not be okay, you know? Like, yeah. don't let other people just be like, ah, just give it time, you'll, you know, or, like, uh, you know, all, all of those generic things that, mm-hmm. you know, Hallmark card sort of shit, where it's like, yeah. it doesn't really exist. It's People say that stuff because they're uncomfortable, and they don't know what else to say. So they've heard that before, and they're just spewing that onto you, basically. Yeah. You know yeah, what time, I'm saying? Yeah, time is um, more of a a marker of, of, of distance from, from the thing that you lost. That's, that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. It's like, yeah. And then, you know, something will happen and, and it'll hit you, you know, like a, a, a halt, like, um, uh, anniversary of the, the person passing or the birthday or the, or mother's day, father's day, any of those sorts of things where it's like, well, I know today's probably not going to be that much fun. <laughs> so, yeah, right. you know, right. Um, yeah. 
as a as a, a student of of time yeah uh, like it's uh it's far more it's far more powerful than than I than I think, and so the, the the slogan "Give it time" has always been like, "Are you, are you really sure about that? Because do you really think about what time does to the human brain and how we think about it and how it contorts our development?" And anyway, I could yeah. go on and on. No, I'm with you. Um, damn, yeah. I mean, we've we've been going here for damn near three hours, my friend. Uh, That's fine. Okay, well, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you the last question. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to knock this out of the park. So what I like to ask people is, uh, when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing that you had been working so hard towards? I think it was, like, most people totally know me, really, in, in the music side of things, obviously. I'm not, yeah. like, putting out records about my lessons that I teach. <laughs> like, uh, but, um... It, it like my my life has really been really built towards like learning like teaching and learning uh, i i had some like you know for all like the 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 ian mckay's and 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 like the people along the way in the music scene that have like kind of like you know really changed my life there's been like there's been the sister louise uh mr freights mr hall like the people who have like the teachers that have just like done something fucking crazy and and it made me go holy shit I, I i find i find music in like in i find i can see poetry in 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 the sight of this this one guy attending this funeral mass like you know like like or you know like i i'm i'm like brought to tears in reading this primary source document of frederick Douglass recounting like how uh, of the injustice that his grandmother uh, uh, was subjected to after she was no longer wanted as a, as a worker on the, on the plantation, you know, someone who's existing in a different century in life in a world for mine. And those are like, um, pretty pivotal profound moments in my life that I like you know no 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 there's no there's no half heart there's 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 nothing if you if you've enjoyed anything in my life like that's come from me in in the music life side of my life it doesn't exist without some of my learning experiences uh really case point like I didn't know how to read in the second grade which is like for for those in the know is is a really bad sign um it, you know, if you're not reading in the third grade, you're significantly that much more likely to drop out of high school. Your life's not over if you drop out of high school. A lot of wonderful people have done a lot of awesome things, but it's substantially harder. And and a lot of things you can be deprived from. Well, a lot of wonderful, beautiful things you are deprived from if you don't know how to read. Um, and uh, I, yeah. Long story short, um, I had this 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 nun uh in, in this very small very kind of like under very very much so underfunded catholic school that i went to and the, and this she was just like the most like patient person on the planet and she was just got helped me figure out how to read and i won the spelling bee the next fucking year so let's all keep that in mind but 
nonetheless, like, <laughs> I mean, that might be your moment, my friend. Uh, perhaps. I mean, that that that's a pretty that's pretty impressive. I mean, uh, I I I do I think that so I get, it's all building towards like the idea that like my whole life I've I've wanted to be a part of that process to sort of like help someone who's stuck on the outside get on the inside. Yeah. Um. And and, and be that 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 door person for them um and so there there's just been there was the um you know i was a terrible teacher when i first started out i just didn't know what the fuck i was doing and i don't think any teacher does in the beginning and i and i still i still have a long way to go i'm only in like my my first my like nearing the end of my first decade of teaching and um you know but there's been a a couple moments here and there where, you know, um, it's actually like, it's after the fact. It's like, you, you have a couple of students who come back. I've had a couple of students now, now graduated from college, who've come back. This one, this, this one student, uh, her, her name is Jackie. She is my first year of teaching. Um, and the, she, you know, had a, a Central American background not really well represented at her, at her school. And, um, she wrote to me in, in, in like the, the melee of, of, of last year. It was like, you know, years after she had had me, she graduated from college. She was just saying like, I just wanted you to know that like, um, you know, like you really went out of your way to kind of help me, uh, you know, discover like the value in, 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 in the history of El Salvador and figures like Oscar Romero and you you might not think that that had you know any, any like that big of a deal, but like you know I, I'm it has stayed with me ever since, and I've I've walked to this path of like you know a, a real meaningful appreciation and for, for for learning and for for history like for obscure history that people don't know and to understand that history is is something that is that's never finished and it's really it, it's 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 a it's a game of who's willing to do the work and to, to shine a light on its significance and that things all have their, like, it was like this like random email that I got from the student that I hadn't seen in eight years. And, and that was like, and it was also like in the, the height of the emotion of last summer and the, the, the unrest throughout the country. Um, it was, that was definitely the, the first time. So after like eight years of teaching where I was like, okay, I think, I think I'm, being I'm a part of that process and and she she'd also like had no chance of thinking that she was like she was like I'm never going to graduate from college and like and you know, so we really worked on the skill development and it was just I don't put that all in me it's like 99.999% on her in fact it's 100% on her but if she's saying I I had some I, I was in the process there and then like whatever small fraction of percentage it's 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 quite valuable valuable to me and not on some like kind of like stereotypical like teachers make a difference type of vibe, but like you know on a, on a human level, I felt like I played in a role uh, in, in helping someone kind of get on the inside of like the you know seeing the, you know the beauty of life, and like in the way that like you know I had some like I don't know where the hell I would be if I didn't have some of these people who didn't take the time to like you know, help me figure out, like, how to discover the beauty in, 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 in poetry or uh, 
the value in articulating a, a very difficult, complex thought in a, in a coherent and succinct way. So that, that, that's probably the first time. So eight years into teaching, I finally feel like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a teacher. I love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Pat. That was, that was, that was awesome. I appreciate you giving me so much of your time tonight. It's great chat. I'm happy to have, have a chat like this anytime. Great. All right. See you, man. All right. That's our episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with Pat and I. And uh, if you enjoyed this and you haven't subscribed, please do so. And if uh, you have an extra second to rate and review the podcast over on Apple, that helps a whole hell of a lot. And uh, don't forget about the Patreon. Um, if you'd like to support the show, submit questions to upcoming guests and basically just see what we're what we got going on over there. We're, it's, it's multifaceted. Lots of lots of fun stuff. Um, head on over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. All right. I'll see you next week with my guest, Connor Murphy of Foxing. <laughs>